The last time we saw Despero, he had just fainted. And here we go. Let's find out what happens next in chapter 11. The Threadmaster Cometh. When Despero came to, he heard the drum. His father was beating a rhythm that had much more boom and much less tat. Together, Lester and the drum produced an ominous sound that went something like this. Boom, 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 tat. Boom, 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 tat. Make way for the thread, cried a mouse who was pushing a wooden spool of red thread through the crowd. Make way for the thread. Boom, 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 tat. Went the drum. To the dungeon, to the dungeon, to the dungeon, shouted the mice. Despero lay on his back, blinking his eyes. How, he wondered, had things gone so terribly wrong? Wasn't it a good thing to love? In the story, in the book, love was a very good thing. Because the knight loved the fair maiden, he was able to rescue her. They lived happily ever after. It said so in the book. They were the last words on the page, happily ever after. Despero was certain that he had read exactly those words time and time again. Lying on the floor with the beating drum and the mice shouting and the threadmaster calling out, Make way! Make way! Despero had a sudden chilling thought. Had some other mouse eaten the words that spoke the truth? Did the knight and the fair maiden really not live happily ever after? Reader. Do you believe there's such a thing as happily ever after? Or, like Despero, have you too begun to question the possibility of happy endings? Happily ever after, whispered Despero. Happily ever after. He said it again as the spool of thread came to a stop beside him. The thread! The thread! The thread, the thread, the thread, the thread. I'm sorry, said the mouse behind the spool, but I have to ask you to stand up. I have to do my job. Despero got up slowly to his feet. On your hind legs, please, said the thread master. It's the rules. Despero stood on his hind legs. Thank you, said the mouse. I appreciate it. While Despero watched, the thread master unwound a length of red thread from the spool and tied a loop. Just enough for the neck, muttered the mouse. No more, no less. That's what the thread master taught me. Enough thread for the neck. He looked up at Despero and then back down at the loop of thread. And you, my friend, have a small neck. The thread master raised his arms and then put them around Despero's neck. He leaned in close and Despero smelled celery. He could feel the Threadmaster's breath in his ear as he worked at tightening the thread. Is she beautiful? The Threadmaster whispered. What? said Despero. Shh! Is the princess beautiful? 
The Princess P? Yes. She is lovely beyond all imagining, said Despero. Just right, said the Threadmaster. He drew back. He nodded his head. A lovely princess, just so, like a fairy tale. And you love her as a knight loves a maiden. You love her with a courtly love, a love that is based on bravery and courtesy and honor and devotion. Just so. How do you know that? Despero said. How do you know about fairy tales? Shh. The mouse leaned in close and Despero smelled celery again, green and alive. Be brave, my friend, whispered the Threadmaster. Be brave for the princess. And then he stepped back and turned and shouted, Fellow mice, the thread has been tied. The thread has been knotted. A roar of approval went up from the crowd. Yeah! Ooh! Yeah! Ooh! Despero squared his shoulders. He made a decision. He would do as the Threadmaster had suggested. He would be brave for the princess. Even if, reader, could it be true, there was no such thing as happily ever after. Chapter 12. Adieu. The sound of the drum changed again. The final tat disappeared and it became nothing but boom, 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 boom. Lester used only his tail, bringing it down with great force and seriousness upon the drum. The thread master retreated. The room full of mice fell silent, expectant, waiting. As Despero stood before them with the red thread around his neck and the 14 members of the mouse council perched on the bricks above him, two burly mice came forward. Black pieces of cloth covered their heads. There were slits for their eyes. We, said the bigger of the two mice, will escort you to the dungeon. Despero, Antoinette called out. Oh, my Despero. Despero looked out into the crowd of mice and saw his mother. She was easy to spot. In honor of her youngest mouse being sent to the dungeon, she had put on a tremendous amount of makeup. Each of the hooded mice put a paw on Despero's shoulder. It is time, said the one to the left, the first hood. Antoinette pushed her way through the crowd. He is my son, she said. I want to have a last word with my son. Despero looked at his mother. He concentrated on standing before her without trembling. He concentrated on not being a disappointment. Please, said Antoinette, what will happen to him? What will happen to my baby? Ma'am, said the first hood. His voice was deep and slow. You don't want to know. I want to know. I want to know. He is my child. The child of my heart. The last of my babies. The hooded mice said nothing. Tell me said Antoinette. The rats, said the first. 
The rats, said the second. Yes, yes, we, the rats, what of them? The rats will eat him, said the second hood. Ah, said Antoinette. Mon Dieu. At the thought of being eaten by the rats, Despero forgot about being brave. He forgot about not being a disappointment. He felt himself heading into another faint. But his mother, who had an excellent sense of dramatic timing, beat him to it. She executed a beautiful, flawless swoon, landing right at Despero's feet. Now you've done it said the first hood. It doesn't matter, said the second. Step over her. We have a job to do. Nobody's mother is going to stop us. To the dungeon. To the dungeon, repeated the first hood. But his voice, so deep and certain a moment ago, now shook a tiny bit. He put a paw on Despero and tugged him forward. And the two hoods and Despero stepped over Antoinette. The crowd parted. The mice began to chant, To the dungeon, to the dungeon, to the dungeon. The drum beat continued, Boom, 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 as Despero was led away. At the last moment, Antoinette came out of her faint and shouted one, Last word to her child. That word, reader, was adieu. Do you know the definition of adieu? Don't bother with the dictionary, I will tell you. Adieu is the French word for farewell. Farewell is not the word that you would like to hear from your mother as you are being led to the dungeon by two oversized mice in black hoods. Words that you would like to hear are, take me instead, I will go to the dungeon in my son's place. There is a great deal of comfort in those words. But reader, there is no comfort in the word farewell. Even if you say it in French, farewell is a word that in any language is full of sorrow. It is a word that promises absolutely nothing. Chapter 13, Perfidy Unlimited. Together, the three mice traveled down, down, down. The thread around Despero's neck was tight. He felt as if it was choking him. He tugged at it with one paw. Don't touch that thread, barked the second hood. Yeah, echoed the first. Don't touch that thread. They moved quickly, and whenever Despero slowed, one of the two hoods poked him in the shoulder and told him to keep moving. They went through holes in the walls and down golden stairs. They went past rooms with doors that were closed and doors that were flung wide. The three mice traveled across marble floors under heavy velvet drapes. They moved through warm patches of sunlight and dark pools of shade. This thought, Despero, was the world he was leaving behind, the world he knew and loved. And somewhere in it, the Princess P was laughing and smiling and clapping her hands to music, unaware of Despero's fate. That he would not be able to let the princess know what had become to him seemed suddenly unbearable to the mouse. 
Um, would it be possible to have one last word with the princess? Despero asked. A word? said the second hood. You want a word with a human? I want to tell her what has happened to me. Jeez, said the first hood. He stopped and stamped a paw on the floor in frustration. Cripes! You can't learn, can you? The voice was terribly familiar to Despero. Furlough? he said. What? said the first hood irritably. Despero shuddered. His own brother was delivering him to the dungeon. His heart stopped beating and shrunk to a small, cold, disbelieving pebble. But then, just as quickly, it leaped alive again, beating with hope. For lo, Despero said. He took one of his brother's paws in his own. Please, let me go, please. I'm your brother. Furlow rolled his eyes. He took his paw out of Despero's. No, he said. No way. Please, said Despero. No, said Furlow. Rules are rules. Reader, do you recall the word perfidy? As our story progresses, perfidy becomes an even more appropriate word, doesn't it? Perfidy was certainly the word that was in Despero's mind as the mice finally approached the narrow, steep stairs that led to the black hole of the dungeon. They stood, the three mice, two with hoods and one without, and contemplated the abyss before them. And Furlow stood on his hind legs and placed his right paw over his heart. For the good of the castle mice, he announced to the darkness, we deliver this day to the dungeon a mouse in need of punishment. He is, according to the laws we have established, wearing the red thread of death. The red thread of death, repeated Despero with a small voice. Wearing the red thread of death was a terrible phrase. But the mouse didn't have long to consider its implications because he was suddenly pushed from behind by the hooded mice. The push was a strong one and it sent Despero flying down the stairs into the dungeon as he tumbled whisker over tail through the darkness. There were only two words that came to his mind and one was perfidy and the other word that he clung on to was pee. Perfidy P, perfidy P, perfidy P. These words that pinwheeled through Despero's mind as his body descended into the darkness. Chapter 14, Darkness. Despero lay on his back at the bottom of the steps and touched the bones in his body one by one. They were all there, and amazingly, they were unbroken. He got to his feet and became aware of a terrible, foul, extremely insulting smell. The dungeon reader stank. It stank of despair and suffering and hopelessness, which is to say that the dungeon smelled of rats and it was so dark. Despero had never encountered darkness so awful, so all-encompassing. The darkness had a physical presence, as if it were being all its own. 
The mouse held up one paw in front of his whiskers, and he could not see it. And he had the truly alarming thought that perhaps he, Despero Tilling, didn't even exist. Oh my, he said out loud. His voice echoed in the smelly darkness. Perfidy, he said, just to hear his voice again, just to assure himself that he did exist. P, said Despero, and the name of his beloved was immediately swallowed up by the darkness. He shivered. He shook. He sneezed. His teeth clattered. He longed for his handkerchief. He grabbed hold of his tail. It took him a long, frightening moment even to locate his tail to have something to hold on to, anything to hold on to. He considered fainting. He deemed it the only reasonable response to the situation in which he found himself. But then he remembered the words of the Threadmaster. Honor, courtesy, devotion, and bravery. I will be brave, thought Despero. I will try to be brave like the knight in shining armor. I will be brave for the Princess P. How best for him to be brave? He cleared his throat. He let go of his tail. He stood up straighter. Once upon a time, he said to the darkness. He said these words because they were the best, most powerful words that he knew. And just saying them brought him comfort. Once upon a time, he said again, feeling a tiny bit braver. There was a knight and he wore always an armor of shining silver. Once upon a time, boomed a voice from the darkness. A knight in shining armor? What does a mouse know of such things? That voice was the loudest voice Despero had ever heard. He could only assume that it belonged to the world's largest rat. Despero's small, overworked heart stopped beating. And for the second time that day, the mouse fainted. When Despero awoke, he was cupped in the large, calloused hands of a human, and he was staring into the fire of one match. And beyond the match, there was a large, dark eye looking right at him. A mouse with red Fred, boomed the voice. Oh, yes, Gregory knows the way of mice and rats. Gregory knows. And Gregory has his own Fred marking him. See? Here. Here, mouse. And the match was held to a candle, and the candle sputtered to life and Despero saw that there was a rope tied around the man's ankle. Here is the difference between us. Gregory's rope saves him, and your rope and your Fred will be the death of you. The man blew the candle out, and the darkness descended, and the man's hand closed more tightly around Despero, and Despero felt his belaggered heart start up a crazy rhythm of fear. Who are you? He whispered. The answer to that question, Mouse, is Gregory. You are talking to Gregory the Jailer, who has been buried here, keeping watch over this dungeon for decades, for centuries, for eons, for eternities. You are talking to Gregory the Jailer, who in the richest of ironies, is nothing but a prisoner here himself. Oh, said Despero, um, may I get down, Gregory? The mouse wants to know if Gregory the jailer will let him go. 
Listen to Gregory Mouse. You do not want to be let go. Here in this dungeon, you are in the treacherous dark heart of the world. If Gregory was to release you, the twistings and turnings and the dead ends and false doorways of this place would swallow you for all eternity. Only Gregory and the rats can find their way through this maze. The rats, they know, because the way of it mirrors their own dark hearts. And Gregory, because of the rope that is tied forever to his ankle to guide him back to the beginning. Gregory would let you go, but you would only beg him to pick you up again. The rats are coming for you, you see? They are? Listen, said Gregory, you can hear their tails dragging through the muck and the filth. You can hear them filing their nails and scratching their teeth. They are coming for you. They are coming to take you apart piece by piece. Despero listened, and he was quite certain he heard the nails and the teeth of the rats. The sharp sound of things being made sharper still. They will strip all the fur from your flesh and all the flesh from your bones. And when they are done with you, there will be nothing left except the red thread and bones. Gregory had seen it many times, the tragic end of a mouse. But I need to live, said Despero. I can't die. You cannot die? Oh, that is lovely. He says he cannot die. Gregory closed his hand more tightly around Despero. And why would that be, Mouse? Why is it that you cannot die? Because I am in love. I love somebody and it is my duty to serve her. <laughs> love, said Gregory. Love, hark you. I will show you the twisted results of love. Another match was struck, and the candle was lit again, and Gregory held it up so that its flame illuminated the massive, towering, teetering pile of spoons and kettles and bowls. Look at that, mouse, said Gregory. That is a monument to the foolishness of love. What is it, said Despero. He stared at the great tower that reached up and up and up into the blackness. What it looks like, spoons and bowls and kettles, and all of them gathered here as evidence of the pain of loving a living thing. The king loved the queen, and the queen died. This monastery, this heap, is the result of love. I don't understand, said Despero. And you will not understand until you lose what you love. But enough about love said Gregory. He blew up the candle. We will talk instead about your life and how Gregory will save it, if you should so desire. Why would you save me? Despero asked. Have you saved any other mice? <laughs> Never, said Gregory. Not one. Why would you save me then? Because, Mouse, you can tell Gregory a story. Stories are light. Light is precious in a world so dark. Begin at the beginning and tell Gregory a story. Make some light. 
And because Despero wanted very much to live, he said, Once upon a time? Yeah, said Gregory happily. He raised his hand higher and then higher still until Despero's whiskers brushed against his leathery, time-worn ear. Go on, mouse, said Gregory. Tell Gregory a story. And it was in this way that Despero became the only mouse sent to the dungeon whom the rats did not reduce to a pile of bones and a piece of red thread. It was this way that Despero was saved. Reader, if you don't mind, that is where we will leave our small mouse for now. In the dungeon, in the hands of an old jailer, telling a story to save his life. It is time to turn our attention somewhere else. Time for us, reader to speak of rats, and one in particular.